behind the bar, shoots and scores! Back-to-back breakaways! Connor McDavid peering inside, dishing, CeCe shoots and scores! one nothing Edmonton in Game 7! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Oh, it's Friday night. Eat all the potato chips that you want. Just one game in the NHL. It starts later. It's the Kings against the Canucks. Busy day tomorrow. 15 games, including your Edmonton Oilers, taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. 6.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chet. The puck will drop at 8. The Oilers with some interesting moves in their line combinations at practice today. We will discuss as we move along this evening. Also, the Edmonton Oil Kings in action tonight. 7 o'clock at Rogers Place. They're hosting Brandon. The Oil Kings just two wins on the season. Wheat Kings subpar year as well. They have just seven victories. Now the Oil Kings are without the injured Logan Dauhanyuk and Jackson Weeb serving game two of a seven game suspension for a hit from behind. The number two ranked Golden Bears, number two in the nation. They're first in Canada West. They play UBC tonight at 7 o'clock at Claire Drake. The Bears are 10-1-1. UBC coming in at 6-4-2. Okay, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Plenty to discuss with your Edmonton Oilers who uh, another practice today and they're hoping to sort of find a, a little bit more consistency, a little bit more oomph to their game. Is that a word? Oomph? If I say they need more oomph in their game, do you know what I'm talking about? I know what I'm talking about. I'll explain it as I, as I go along. And, uh, of course, the Grey Cup is Sunday. And as we do on Inside Sports, on the final show before the Grey Cup and the final show before the Super Bowl, and we might do it on one or, other, one or two other occasions during the year, but we, we try to keep it to, uh, to big games or big events. Pre- your predictions for the Grey Cup. So I want at 780-496-0063, and if you're using the telephone, it's the hotline presented by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed pro all the way. I want your prediction for the game, Toronto against Winnipeg. I want the winning team and the final score. None of this just picking the winning team, though we let Ricky Ray get away with that earlier in the week, but he's Ricky Ray. You're not. So you got to give me your uh, winning team and the final score. And if you are so inclined, uh, some other random prediction about the game. And you get a bonus points uh, and maybe a canned ham if it's something that makes me uh, chuckle a little bit because I, I do enjoy your senses of humor from time to time. So the winning team and your score. And it is always the rule when it comes to predictions on inside sports. If you are correct is if somebody nails the winning team in the final score, then you will be celebrated and revered for eternity. That's right, eternity. And if there are incorrect predictions, and there may be a few, those just all those just get lost and forgotten about. So you really have nothing to lose. The e- eternal, eternal reverence or your life stays the same as it is now. Those are the only two options. There's no embarrassment for a bad pick. There's no mockery. There's no like, oh my God, you got a pick wrong. It's just your life continues as normal. But if you nail it, 
first of all, a canned ham and eternal reverence. So you have nothing to lose by uh, by making a pick. And we'll get more uh, Grey Cup. We've had some fun Grey Cup stories this week. I mentioned Ricky Ray. Warren Moon was on the show last night. Jed Roberts a few days ago. We will have Trent Brown and David Beard. Uh, I haven't talked to David, at least not on this show, since there was that surprising trade to Hamilton a couple of months ago. So it'll be neat to catch up with him. He also won a very uh, interesting award this week. So we'll talk about that as we move along. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. I'm back at 6 30 Chad after being let out on location last night had an absolute blast at West Edmonton Mall the Oilers autograph session of course uh, was from 6 to 8 same time as the show I was set up next to uh, Darnell Nurse and Devin Shore Matthias Yanmark who's one of the guys we're going to talk about tonight dropped by for an interview around 7:45. got to meet some uh, 630 Ched listeners while I was uh, out there which was pretty fun and uh, we had a whole bunch of people enter our draw for a couple of free tickets to an upcoming Oilers game so that was all really really cool and any who came by and, and said hi I do appreciate it if that's always fun to do stuff like that um, Warren Moon was one of our guests on the show and sometimes look I, I do a show almost every day of some variety so you know you do stuff it's part of the routine but every once in a while there's a story that seems to stand out and I, I was really interested today because I had several people say to me and and somebody else texted me about a specific story from last night saying, well, that was so cool that Warren Moon told that story. So here it is, the uh, Warren Moon, the, the story behind the cookie store that he had in West Edmonton Mall and a couple other spots in Edmonton and his special uh, cookie recipe. I had a lot of uh, familiarity with cooking, and I had a really good cooking recipe. And she taught me to cook, I mean, to to, uh, to bake, basically to calm me down the night before my games in high school because I would get really irritable and, and kind of nervous and, and be around the house kind of snapping at everybody. So she gave me something to do that would take my mind off of the game the next day. So I started baking cookies every uh, Friday, every Thursday night before my games on Friday. And uh, like I said, I had a really good recipe, and over the years I had even got better so I decided when I got up to Edmonton the chocolate chip cookie craze was going on at that time uh, there was famous Amos and Mrs. Fields and people like that so it wasn't anything like that really up in, in Canada so I decided to, to, to give it a try up there with my name uh, behind it and also my good recipe and it was very successful for me I did not know that about you and to me that is such a how did, how did you relax the night before a game well some guys go to a movie I listen to music I hung go with my buddies Warren Moon baked cookies like that's incredible <laughs> <laughs> that's what I did and it worked too because I got so focused into it anything I would do anything I still do to this day I really get focused into it so it definitely took my mind off of what I had to do the next day because I wanted those cookies to be the best that is Warren Moon so where did the idea for the cookie store come from now this was back in the early 80s when he was playing here in Edmonton he baked cookies as a teen to calm his nerves the night before high school football games. I had never heard that before from any athlete that they, uh, especially one of what his age would have been, relatively young, that they used baking the night before a game as a form of relaxation. So that was pretty cool. That was a fun story from Warren, from Warren Moon. I uh, also talked to Warren Moon last night. I mean, we talked about the Grey Cup, got some recollections from his career. And I talked to Warren about how teams start games. Now, and I asked him this because we've seen the Edmonton Oilers here 
not be very good early in games. I would say more often than not, since they've even become a decent team. Uh, I mean, they have been in the playoffs three years in a row. Um, but there, there were still a lot of times, a lot of games in which you might say, well, you know, they weren't that good early. Or they took it over late. Or, yeah, they got big goals in the third period. And, and it's not all the time, but it is an ongoing trend. And when they get into this funk, it tends to go on for a while. I mean, we saw it last year where it got into whatever, what, 26 out of 28 or something like that, where they allowed the first goal against. They had a stretch of, I think, five consecutive games in which they fell behind at least 2 nothing. So it, it does happen over and over again. And I sort of asked Warren, you know, from a football standpoint, what was the mindset in starting games? And he said, well, you know, there's the offense and the, and the defense. So, you, you know, maybe if you're on defense, you want to blitz, you want to set a physical tone with, with offense, you want to come out and be aggressive and run the 12 or 15 plays that you've scripted. But he said something that, that stuck with me. And he said, early in games, you want to let the other team know that they're in for a long night. You want to let the other team know that they're in for a long night. And I, and I was thinking about how the Oilers have played. And you guys can tell me. Like, I, I really want to know your opinion on this. 780-496-0063. Do the Edmonton Oilers play like a team in the first, you know, five minutes, ten minutes, the entire first period? But I guess you can kind of pick the time frame in your head. Did the Edmonton Oilers early in games play like a team that is trying to make the opposition team feel like it's going to be a long night? For me, I think the answer would more often than not be no. And I think this extends beyond just allowing the first goal most of the time. Now this year, they've been scored on first 10 times. They've scored the first goal seven times in 17 games. Okay, so, you know, a little bit on the unhappy side of 50-50. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to score first every game, sometimes even if you're playing well, or sometimes both teams are playing well, one team scores first. It, I mean, it will happen. Even teams that start games well sometimes might fall behind one nothing. But perhaps the bigger issue is, do the Edmonton Oilers play like a team that is trying to send a message to the opposition, you are going to be in for a long night? Now, just to use the most recent sample that we have, I think the Los Angeles Kings came in here the other night and said, you're in for a long night, Oilers. Now, we got the lead. Great. That's exactly what the Kings needed. But if you look at the way they played in the first period and the way they clogged up the neutral zone and the way they tried to play a little bit nasty and the way they prevented the Oilers star players from getting their speed and their mojo going... Like in the first period, I felt to my, I thought to myself watching that game, all right, this is going to be a struggle for the Oilers. They, they might win. I don't know. There probably won't be a lot of goals scored. Maybe getting to two might be enough, and L.A. got there first and won the game 3-1 with an empty netter. But I remember thinking in that first period, L.A. is setting the tone here. L.A. is dictating how the game is going to be played. And I do think there have been other instances this year in which early in games... It is that the message has been more strongly sent by the Oilers' opposition. Hello, gentlemen wearing the oil drop. You're in for a long night. And for, for some reason, and it continues to elude me how to explain it, 
because in my mind it goes through probably a couple generations of players or at least a lot of players who is who have cycled through around the core players and and probably at least three coaches if not arguably four in which for the most part the Oilers have not been a great starting team, speaking very generally, and have not opened the game through the first five and ten minutes by, by letting the opposition feel like you're in for a long night. Maybe even you scored first. Sometimes that happens. Oh, by the way, do you know how hard it's going to be to get another one because you're in for a long night? I, just, just some of my thoughts. And, and, and what Moon said, granted, coming from another sport, but sort of crystallized that for me. You gotta let the opposition know they are in for a long night, and sometimes that might that might mean the opposition still beats you. That 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 still could happen. But do the Oilers consistently set that tone? And are they a team that should be able to set that tone more often than they do? Perhaps some of my questions to you. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Oilers moving the lines around a little bit today. Also, we got a really cool story coming up about a gentleman who was recently traded to the Oilers. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chan Inside Sports. Well, it sure is, mysterious voice, man. Clean Costin. Yes, it is pronounced Clean Costin, spelled K-L-I-M. One of the new guys for the Edmonton Oilers has now gotten into two games. He is plus one, still looking for his first point as a member of the Edmonton Oilers. He was traded to the Oilers on October 9th for defenseman Dmitry Samarukov, and he recounted how that trade broke for him. When I got traded, like I didn't, I didn't know who I was trading for, like who was going the other way, and then my agent just told me like the Edmonton got you, and I was like, the, I was just called like Sammy right away. Like I texted him, like hey Sammy, I'm coming. He was like, I'm going centers. I was like, no way. He was like only a Russian in the team, so yeah, I was kind of a little nervous like when I got traded because like I didn't know like uh, no one in the team. I didn't, uh, yeah. But it, it was good. It's a really good uh, group of guys in uh, Bakersfield. The coaching stuff, like trainers, every, everyone. And then here as well, yeah. The guys uh, gave me like a warm welcome, so I feel, feel comfortable. So there it is. He's traded to the Oilers, and he's thinking, this is awesome. I'm going to get to play with my buddy, Dmitry Samarukov. He gets in touch with him. Oh, we've been traded for each other. <laughs> kind of funny how that worked out. I'm curious to see where it's going to go with this young man. He's now played 48 NHL games. He has produced only 11 points. Uh, Jay Woodcroft credited him uh, with the goal that the Oilers got against or gave him credit for his involvement in a goal against the Florida Panthers for uh, being right in front of the net when Tyson Berry slapped in his first of the night. So you don't get an assist for that, but you're playing a role in being in that tough area of the ice and screening the opposing goaltender. I thought he uh, had some uh, nice moments of physicality against the Los Angeles Kings, including with about 10 minutes left in the third period, an absolutely huge hit on Drew Doughty. He does have some decent size, 6'3", about 215. You know, I mentioned he was a first-rounder late in the first round, 31st overall to the Blues in 2017. 
probably not going to score a ton, but could he be a valuable bottom six player for the Oilers? And, and I think the Oilers uh, are still, I would say, overall deficient in their bottom six. Uh, I mean, they don't have... I mean, some teams have third lines that, that's... That, that score, that, that chip in relatively regularly offensively. The Oilers don't have that. And I wouldn't say, if, if you look at their bottom six forwards right now, they have anybody who's overly intimidating physical. Now, I think the players work hard. I think, uh, you know, some of them have roles on the team, certainly some penalty kill, and the penalty kill has improved a little bit over the last four or five games. Um, but if Costin can be a type of player who can get out there and muck around a little bit and hit and, and actually be a bit of a beast on the forecheck, then at least he's going to have an element and have a role that should help the team. And Costin also was asked about finding a role with the Oilers. It's up to the coach, like, what he wants to see from me. Like, he just want to see, like, simple game for me for now. Just uh, chip the puck, go work. Like, physical game. Not, not just, like, skate around and hit everyone. Just, like, be, be strong on the puck, go in front of that, like, you know, that kind of player. All right, so we'll see what we get from Costin, who today was on a line with McLeod and Pugliarvi. So Pugliarvi off the McDavid line. Who goes up there? Matthias Janmark. Matthias Janmark with McDavid and Hyman was a line at practice today. You'll hear from Janmark as Inside Sports rolls along.